Welcome to the Friendly Fire Podcast, a Navy SEAL Museum production. Hi, I'm Rick Kaiser, retired Navy SEAL Master Chief and Chief Operating Officer of the National Navy SEAL Museum here in Fort Pierce, Florida, the birthplace of the Navy SEALs. We are recording from inside the museum's own Mark V assault craft, and now I'm going to introduce my good friend, Tim Nichols. Hello, everyone out there. I hope you enjoy this podcast. My name is Tim Nichols, retired Marine and professor at Duke University. I'm super excited to participate in this, and I think we have a lot of cool things to talk about. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Friendly Fire Podcast. My name is Rick Kaiser, broadcasting from the Navy SEAL Museum here in sunny Florida, talking to my good good friend Tim Nichols up in North Carolina, where we talk about anything that comes to our minds, uh, most of which we agree, some of which we really do not agree. Um, so you can get us on Apple Podcasts or on our museum website, www.navysealmuseum.org. Welcome. What uh, What's going on in the museum? Any big news? We have the uh, Memorial Day service coming up here, uh, 31 May. That's uh, always an important day for us here at the Navy SEAL Museum where we honor our fallen and we add the names of uh, our, our new to our uh, memorial wall. We're actually adding six names this, this year, um, everything from combat deaths to uh, accidents to suicides, unfortunately. And um, even if we uh, don't get everybody on the first go around, we're constantly reviewing the uh, list of our fallen on the Navy SEAL memorial and then just in general... Uh, uh, seals that have died on active duty and sometimes we just miss one and we add them to the wall and we invite their family and uh, it's a it's a big deal and it's a very emotional day um, I have to put my uniform on you're doing a great job like that stuff that matters that kind of stuff matters I tell you what I've never worn my uniform more than in this job which really? is crazy, yeah. Because as you know, yeah, you know, as seals, we can't even get our uniforms straight. Never. Second of all, nobody likes to put their uniforms on, except for like, uh, you know, unless they have to, and they're part of the actual ceremonies for change of command or whatever. Uh, but here at the museum, you know, she's at least four or five times a year. I'm, I'm putting on my uniform for different events and dinners and other fancy stuff, but. Uh, so I have to make sure it all fits. It looks good. I have to be squared away. And yeah, the right leg, because you have to have a leg with a uniform shoe in it, right? Yeah, so everybody, all my pants now have a zipper on the inside on my right leg so I can get my 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 leg in the, in the pants. Oh, okay. I uh, didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. It's the only way I can get it in and out, because it's almost impossible to... You can't, I'd have to pull my leg, pants leg up all the way up as high as I can go, put my leg on and then roll my, the sleeve up. It doesn't work. So yeah. with that, I can put my leg on and then put my pants on and then zip it up and you never knew. Oh, that's cool. I did, yeah, that, well, that's, a, yeah, that's a really good idea. Uh, for our, those members and those uh, special operators out there, we uh, started up our scholarship uh, program applications again. And uh, they're basically due by 10 May. Is that right, Elaine? She's shaking her head good. Um, so uh, basically, if you're a, a, a member, if you're a SEAL, Special Forces, SWIC, you can, you're, and your kids are going to uh, college or, you know, even some other type of school uh, all the way up, you know, from grade school on up, uh, you can apply for a couple of these scholarships. And uh, we've given out millions of dollars on, uh, with the scholarship so far. 
in the last five in the last five years yeah so uh it's a very it's a very good thing a lot of people don't know about it we try to get the word out it's hard um especially in the in the navy seal community because everybody's based on secrecy for for the most part and just gets it getting a hold of somebody at like a navy seal team and say hey can you put this word out and they're like oh no we really can't we're like well why not it's like well because i don't have the ability to to announce it to everybody because it's everybody's cordoned off and uh classified information and blah 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 the other thing is people are reluctant to ask for help or just look at it as help you know i don't need any help and that's crazy. I mean, if you if your children will benefit from it, if it takes a burden off them to go, you know, to not have to take more student aid, then it totally makes sense, right? Oh, absolutely. My both my kids uh, received a couple scholarships, and it really helped out. You know, yeah, and that's the, the whole purpose. They both graduated with no student debt, and that's wow. you know, not not a lot of people can say that. You know, and that's the way to go yeah. if you can do it, right? Hey, um, I was just wondering if it was a former Navy SEAL uh, that was driving that ship in the Suez Canal, um, <laughs> and perhaps they had happy hour when they got to the narrow part. You know, what's going on with that? Did you did you read about that? You see the size yeah, of that ship? Yeah, yes, I did. Um, there's a lot of questions that I have in my mind, but I don't know uh, the, the the system on how they move the ships up and down through the Suez Canal. So I know it's a series of, uh, uh, I mean the the captain of the ship uh the 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 guides that guide them through plus there's some uh some um i don't know what the what the device is called on the banks that actually assists the ships moving through um but it hasn't happened you know for i don't know how many years this thing's been open uh over 100 years right um so but it just goes to show one screw up and look what happens you know, billions. billions of dollars, hundreds of ships backed up, uh, just hanging out, waiting to get their chance to go through the uh, canal. And I'm like, wow, it's something you don't even think about because it was the easy button. But uh, I'd hate to be the uh, captain of that ship or the owners of that <laughs> ship because they're, you know, uh, or uh, whoever's insured that ship is going to get sued by a lot of people. Oh, man thousands yeah. of containers on yeah. that ship yeah i mean they showed a picture of it real close and like a human being looks like an ant next to that ship it was that big so yeah maybe they, yeah they built the canal uh, way before these big ships were uh were were even envisioned and so now you have this huge super super uh container ship going through this tiny little canal and and even the slightest mistake and it runs aground and everything has to stop yeah as, as you know one of our the seals main uh, targets uh, around the world are those types of ships and climbing on those ships or getting on them is is very difficult because they are so massively big um they're huge so uh you know climbing up the side on on a ladder of one of those ships is a long long climb so you have to be in pretty darn good shape in order not to fall off (laughs) off the ladder hit the boat on the way in or whatever um just getting up on it is uh is is a challenge and um there was actually one of the more fun things that i i liked to do but it was always very uh it was very dangerous depending on what the sea state was so if it was a nice smooth sunny day or you know, moonlit night, it was, wasn't as bad, but if it was rough out there and you're, the boat's bouncing around alongside the ship, um, the last thing you want to do is fall in the water and get a chance of getting sucked up by the props of either boat. 
Um, yeah. So That's, I always. I mean, uh, how how high are the railings on those ships? Are they fifty feet? Are they? Oh, are higher they, than that. Some are like hundred, hundred fifty feet. And you have to climb that high? Yes, absolutely. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So obviously that would be the last resort because you want to you don't want to climb that far because by the time you get up there your arms are are tired, Um, and then if if there's a threat then you have to be able to 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 shoot. So that's why uh, seals and special forces have to be in such great shape and uh, and and trained through all that kind of uh, scenarios to get ready. So one of the things that luckily is that the we have what's called lead climbers, and these are the guys that are our climbing experts. They climb rocks, they climb buildings, elevator shafts, ships. Um, so we always would send up uh, the lead climber would climb up on a rope. Uh, that's how we would get the initial hook on it, and then they, he would get to the top, make sure it's safe, and then drop a ladder for the rest of us uh, not lead climbers. <laughs> And, yeah, and they were when I left. They were developing a uh, system that would basically pull you up the side. Like nowadays, the seals don't even have to do that. They just hit this button, and this thing uh, sends them up the side of the ship, like an ascender or something. Yeah, exactly, a, a motorized one, you know, electric. So you know, now they have uh, underwater like propel. propel devices like little uh, jet boots they call them that they wear on their body or they have these sleds that they can put their lead diver in and then everybody hooks up to them and the sled pulls everybody at the same time at the same speed How lovely yeah yeah so they don't even have to kick anymore so you don't i mean they really don't even have to work out what am <laughs> exactly. i talking about is there a cappuccino bar on the way up the side of the chip? You know, just to give them a frappe or something. Everybody wears a special Camelback that has ones for uh, uh, you know espresso and ones for water. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Every need. Every need needs to be satisfied. Yeah. As long as you have tats running from your wrist all the way down to your belly button, you're good to go. Yeah. So I'm working on that myself. I'm thinking about. Getting Are you getting a, more tattoos? I'm thinking about getting many more. I want to be tatted what? up. So uh, for Halloween, I bought these, like, uh, they make these sleeves. Like, it looks like they're like nylon sleeves that you put on your arms that yeah. look like tribal tattoos. And I was sporting those around to see how people would react to them and uh, see if they liked them or not. And, and they did. So I was like, I might as well get real tattoos now. And have you have you uh, run this by Barbara? <laughs> No. I'm not, yeah, because I think any. there's a veto coming in your future. Yeah, don't yeah. worry. I'm not getting any tattoos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's you know that's the thing now, but it's not my thing. That's right. So well, I know okay. back to those big ships again, since we're talking about them. Um, I mean, I don't think mo- uh, most people in this country don't have a concept of how shipping works around the world, right. sure. and uh, these ships are so big. Like, let's say there was a, uh, a container box near the bottom of the of the ro- It would be impossible to get whatever that whatever that was that whatever was in that box out of there without pulling that ship over to some port and having the right operators pull each box off and that would take hours and hours and hours so if you had something that was uh, a threat inside those boxes no matter what it would be uh and we've talked about this too tim who's going to accept that ship with a threat on board into their port no one yeah exactly so keep it at sea. It's one of those problems that will continue to work on forever, and there'll never be a solution until it actually happens, and then they'll have to figure it out on the fly instead of having a policy and procedure on it. Yeah. Um, you know, 
So maybe there should be a, a place maybe on the east and the west coast where it's, it, uh, it, you know, not very highly populated or no population that they have uh, uh, the ability to do that. If uh, unload a ship or something that is a threat uh vice just letting it float out there at sea until you know for weeks i mean if it's a real threat it seems like that you would uh that you would just do all of what you just said at sea you just keep it 100 miles off yeah so that but no they Americans can't be like that that ship we were just talking about you can't right. offload that ship um to another ship no Okay. No, well, then, not, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you would do it. Yeah, it's, that's what I'm saying. That's that's why I'm saying there has to be somewhere, somewhere to pull the ship in, some port somewhere to offload it. That's the only way to to, to go, unless yeah. you had a fleet of helicopters, uh, literally that could actually lift those uh, cargo containers up um, and, and and fly them somewhere. Um, or I guess the other way it would be to uh, actually like uh, get another ship and just dump them in the in the ocean. Um, but then you got another uh, problem. You got all these shipping containers floating around in the ocean that are a huge threat to uh, navigation. So yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a big problem. Uh, I don't think many people want to deal with it. Yeah, that's well. I, I I mean we've made the system incredibly efficient, but it's also the scale is is breathtaking. So I, I'm not sure, I, I, I'm not smart enough on maritime uh, capabilities, but why the ships that were waiting in, uh, to go in the Suez Canal, why did they just didn't go around the Horn? Maybe they didn't have enough gas. Uh, maybe there's probably a lot of other reasons, but on the other hand, if they didn't know when that ship was going to get out of there, right. sitting, sitting, you know, there is not an answer either. You know, it could have lasted. Unless, yeah. I, I don't know how many days it adds, probably about 10 days, so... If the estimate was it'll be free in three days, then you stay. But if it's going to be there for a month, then you right. obviously send them. You know, you send them on their way and tell them to go around the horn. Right. Well, maybe you would know this. So I guess Egypt controls that. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So their military are responsible for the security and everything. Sure. It's a there's a big international focus on it. So it's uh, Egypt is resourced internationally by all the commerce that. So it's almost like a business, but yes, Egypt it, uh, benefits from the from the uh, Suez from the activity in the Suez. It's an economic uh, engine for them. Yeah, I know. I know uh, U.S. warships uh, regularly use the Suez yeah. Canal to get back and forth. Um, so I, I'm sure every uh, U.S. Navy captain is thinking about this right now. <laughs> like, like what happens if I get stuck in a canal, you know, you're when, gone in uh, a minute. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I'm not, not that, not that they would get stuck, but they could get blocked in there easily. And then oh, yeah. what? It's not like they can turn around and go back out. No. Um, you know, they would just be in the canal and, uh, vulnerable. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. So I, you know, that, that's, I, I wonder what happened to the ships that were behind the ship that got stuck, you know? I wonder what if they just stopped and anchored. I think they just stopped. They, they said that the area where the ship got stuck wasn't a two two way area; it was a single route. So you had to yeah. kind of like when they're doing road work, you have to wait until one goes and then you can oh, okay. go. So I think all of them just immediately stopped where they were and dropped an anchor and tried not to shift with the winds or the tides. Tried to stay right in the middle of the channel because it, it was impossible to go to back go backwards and they couldn't go forwards. And they just had to wait it out. The ones that weren't in the canal, 
I think that's a different that's a decision at headquarters whether they're yeah, going to yeah. redirect them or not. But the one I think they're I read an article I think it was in Foreign Policy where they the captains just had to keep their ship still until this was done, and then they could once the ship was free they could move. Yep. So you okay. have your heavy boat license. I know we need, we probably need to finish up, but I just wanted the listeners to know that you're a seasoned mariner, right? Well, I've got my captain's license, which you know yeah. just means I went to a school. But you know, most seals have a lot of time on the water in various yeah. craft of you know various sizes, from everything from zodiac, you know, rubber boats to you know it could be all the way up to Mark V assault craft to you know, high speed assault craft. So we yeah, spend a lot of time on, on, on the water, some more than others. And some guys get the, the chance to do a lot of the navigation, a lot of the things that you need to know when you're on the sea, especially when you're a seal going to attack a target in the middle of the ocean. So, uh, you know, one of the things I did was on the commercial side, went through a Coast Guard rated uh, 100 ton captain's license uh, course. And uh, I was very happy that I did it. I learned a lot. Uh, I knew a lot of it, but I really learned a lot. Like I learned about uh, how to navigate in the Mississippi River, which I'll never do. But, uh, you know, you know, typical, you know, school's got to teach you everything, you know, and uh, you deal with what you have to. Well, before we leave, I want to just give our our listeners a vignette. I was, um, Rick and I were working together when he was getting his captain's license and i remember the complaining that w- <laughs> that rick was giving when he had this binder full of information very detailed information about beacons and depths and distances and and he had to memorize all this for the qualification exam and uh our listeners who know rick will know that he didn't like any of that like the, the book learning <laughs> oh, no. you're very anti-book learning yeah no no i i'm very hands-on i'd rather do it you know yeah exactly learning but I didn't have time to go to sea for six months and, and learn right. all that stuff, you know. Be an apprentice. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, look, uh, I, I, I'd like to thank our listeners. Uh, we've we've really enjoyed this podcast. And it uh, to remind you, it's the Friendly Fire podcast. It is between two friends who yeah, see the world a little bit differently, but we agree on a lot of things. And we always end up, even after arguments, uh, being good friends. We broadcast from the Mark V Assault Craft in Fort Pierce, Florida at the Navy SEAL Museum and from here in North Carolina. And you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts or if you want to go to the SEAL Museum website, it's hung there as well. And that's NavySEALMuseum.org. So thank you so much, listeners, and we look forward to uh, doing this again next week. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim.